One candidate, as I have yeah. announced my candidacy, uh, in honor of South Africa. Well, just like in the best free and fair elections. Of course, where you get one choice. I guess I'm kind of in a country like that right now, but no, they don't go out of democracy. Well, I mean, they, they have like workers' councils and things. They have like that kind of decision-making I process. guess. Committees is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, what's your policy? What's your platform? If elected, I vow to bring more joyous laughter and less raucous sadness to this podcast and to amplify the positivity of every listener mm. by at least five points. That's a, that's a big promise. But it's a promise that I and my team can safely make. Okay, great. We'll see if anyone else throws their hat into the ring. But so far, so far, no one. No one willing to... Yep take you on so what you're saying is i'm a dead ringer <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice okay that, yeah everybody fraser 2019 being even more positive make sure you get out there vote make your voice heard in this very important democracy that is our podcast yes i mean it's a it's a great year for having an election because like nigeria did one i think india's doing one South Africa is doing one. Yeah. Of course, America's election cycle is already kicking off for next year. The Americans are always in a mid-election cycle somehow. Yeah, it's, it's because they can't stop talking about it. They refuse to report on any actual news. And so they just like sit around waiting for politicians to make empty promises, essentially. Or just say anything or have an irregular bowel movement or something. Yeah. They'll report on that. <laughs> Spend like three hours with a live feed of an empty stage. And I'm sure they'll be here any minute now. Back to you. Uh, that brings us to the end of the presidential campaign announcements hour. Yes. That very normal podcast. That happens each and every week. And it's been happening for almost three years now. Yes. That brings us, of course, full circle, like always, back to our B-side production. B. Be Positive. Po positive. Perfectly in sync, as always. Yeah. The the audience can't see it, but we are voguing right now. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yes. Throwing oh, yeah. shapes. Uh, uh, it's a square. Uh, uh. I, I threw a square. And we're we're doing the celebratory voguing in honor of this week's film, Rockula. Better than now. Which is a film I've never heard of. Have you ever heard of this film? I do realize that one of us had to put it on the list, but no, I've never heard of this film. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a bizarre 1990s, I guess, 
rock opera, uh, romantic comedy with some horror elements. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's such a bizarre coming together of some truly brilliant minds. I'd just like to point out a couple of the co-stars in this film. We have Tony Basil playing the protagonist's mother, which is not a name I recognize immediately, but she's the lady who sang, hey Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind, hey Mickey, hey, hey, hey Mickey. Oh my God. Yeah, that's That her. is that's a Tony great Basil. mind. And not wow. only that, you know, she had her solo pop career, but not only that, she is like one of the most influential choreographers in 20th century history. Oh my God. She, she invented with her group, The Lockers, the technique of popping and locking. That's her baby. Oh my God, really? Yeah, she, she, fucking, she choreographed Talking Heads music videos. She choreographed Tina Turner. Mick Jagger, David Bowie. Holy shit. She's done choreography for like hundreds of movies. She's incredible. She's a legend. Yeah, and she's also the only person in this film that does not sing off key, which yeah. is <laughs> nice. <laughs> and her dancing is incredible. She's <laughs> 76 now and still dancing, still choreographing. Impressive. Incredible lady. And yeah. she plays a vampire wow. mom. A hot vampire mom in this film. Then we have Thomas Dolby, who uh, was also a pioneer of new wave music. He had the hit single, She Blinded Me With Science, which was, okay. like, was a big deal in the 80s. All right, But he's, Fair enough. he's more known now for his work like in sound technology. And he's giving a class at the fucking Peabody Institute uh, of the John oh, wow. Hopkins University in new media music and um, like oh, VR yeah. music composition and stuff. He was the he was the musical director of the TED Talks. So he's also quite like a big deal for a certain subsection of culture. Wow. And then we have <laughs> fucking Bo Deadly. What the hell? In this movie, like in basically like a a cameo plus. But he's the guitar yeah. player of the band Rockula. And yeah. of course, Bo Deadly, one of the most influential blues musicians ever, inspired yep. the likes of Elvis and Rolling Stones and those cats. So yeah, like an, incre an incredible confluence of top minds for this incredibly cheesy rock rom-com. Rock-com? Yeah, I would call it a rom-comula. A rom-com? <laughs> 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 so <laughs> before we get any further in, I am Fraser and, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I am getting ahead of myself and Louis. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Your description of the talent in this film was probably better than the film itself. What? Yeah. I love this movie. Who would have thunk really... it? Yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed this film. I had a hard time watching it. I had to drink a lot. I ordered a lot of booze to come to my house and I yeah. just spent the night drinking and watching the movie and then, oh, it no, got that rough. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, well, it was a good time. Uh, I'm, not a, yeah. I'm not complaining. I had a fun time. Uh, so I guess we should maybe do a bit of a plot synopsis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, get through it. Okay, so Rockula follows the misadventures of 400-year-old virgin, Ralph, yep. who is a vampire from, I guess, Transylvania? 
wear all he, vampire. He does vampire. wear a Transylvania U uh, sweatshirt. So. Yeah, which is definitely something I want. That would be so yeah. dope. We should <laughs> maybe we should commission some of those. Merch. Yeah, yeah, some some B positive merch, Transylvania U. That would be cool. I wonder if they have copyright. Anyway, he is love struck by his, I guess his his, his like star crossed lover, yeah. his soulmate. If you want to call it that, Mona, who dies every twenty two, every twenty two years. Every 22 years. 22nd birthday, uh, she dies no, on the night on, of Halloween. Yeah, on Halloween. All right, so it's not her birthday. She just dies in her so, 22nd yeah. year on Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And she, every time she is killed by a pirate with a rhinestone encrusted peg leg wielding a giant ham bone. I thought ham bone... I mean, I guess I always knew that a ham bone was probably a part of a pig. But then I just thought ham boning was... The action the slapping. of the slapping action, yeah, yeah, and um, Bo Diddley, of course, pioneered the use of ham boning in popular music. Oh my in god, fact, really? Used his guitar playing with a ham bone style. Damn, yeah, just kind of. So that's, it. I think, that's a little reference there. Okay, well, that's clever. -er. Yeah, this movie. Wow. All right, so Ralph somehow a vampire with a reflection, even though his mom does not have a reflection. And his reflection is sort of his snarky best friend. So Ralph wakes up yeah. you know, one morning, talks to his reflection. He talks to his mom. He, he's feeling sad. He goes to a bar and then an expositional onslaught where they just tell you everything that's going to happen in the film. He explains the pirate stuff. He explains Mona coming back every 22 years. Yeah. And they always run into each other, have a whirlwind romance. And then she's killed and he feels sad and he waits for her to essentially grow up again uh, yep. because I guess she is born. Any other way would be kind again. of weird, yeah. It would be super creepy. Uh, but he's 400 years old and Mona obviously now 22 years old. He runs into Mona, or should I say Mona well, runs into <laughs> him. With her car. Uh, with her car. Yeah, she, she runs uh, While away. he's trying to avoid running into her. He's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. He runs away. Eventually, he can't resist the call of the Mona. He can't. So he goes to find her and discovers her as a musician, a yes. singer in a band called Mona. Right? Yeah, I think I think she's basically a solo act with a band. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does seem like she just has one, I guess, engineer or keyboardist yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like the DJ. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember her name. Neither really can cute. I. I can only remember Ralph and Mona and Mom and Stan Lee. Now, Mona hangs around with, I'm guessing her ex or her current yeah. boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Stanley. He is her ex-boyfriend and agent slash producer. Wow. Uh, what an uncomfortable position to be oh, in. Oh, yeah. I'm but not one I think say. that's unique in the history of, of music. That kind of no, thing seems not. to pop up. A recurring theme in the entertainment industry, I would say. So what follows is Ralph meeting up with Mona again. They have this supernatural attraction to one another. They're yeah, fated yeah. to be... And he tries very hard not to tell her that he's a vampire, even though he has very pronounced canines. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious, dude's a vampire. Yeah. She sort of just writes it off as, 
yeah, whatever. It's uh, some people have sharp teeth. And maybe in that world, I guess vampires are pretty prolific if they're all as lackluster as Ralph. Yeah. Ralph starts a band to impress Mona with the mm. random people he was drinking with, obviously <laughs> including Bo Diddley. <laughs> including Bo Diddley, but he's like, yeah, I have a band. Uh, like the first thing you should say is Bo Diddley's in my band. Uh, that's like. Yeah. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. How are you not mentioning the fact that you have Bo Diddley in your band? It's not, I have a band, it's play with Bo Diddley yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he allows me on stage with him, yeah, which yeah. is very generous. They form a band and then, man, I'm gonna say Bo Diddley is the only good part of the band. Uh, yeah. So the band's name is Rockula, but it's not a good band and they, they just sing about Ralph being a vampire all the time and it's sort of it's like they're creating a mythology around him and that's also how Mona uh, interprets it it's like oh this is just like a stage persona or whatever yeah and I'm not sure how long they've been dating but Rockula and Mona have like a crossover thing and they film a music video together which also I mean it's inserted into the film in such a way that you don't know you're watching a music video. It just, the movie just suddenly turns into a musical. And I'm like, yeah. at that point, I was like, am I watching a rock opera? What the shit's happening? They're dancing in the rain. They're being accosted by homeless people. And then Ralph gets very run over by a car. Yeah. And they kiss that's all, and that's... fade up. And it turns out it's a music video. Yeah, that's all part of the music video. Yeah. And we have to remember, it, it cannot be that long since they've been dating because... He only meets her on the 13th of October. Um, yeah. And obviously her death day is Halloween. So it's, it's been like two weeks max. So within these two weeks, they've started yeah. their romance. He's yes. started Rockula, also yes. wrote a bunch of songs and also booked big gigs at the same Club places Hell. that Mona. Yeah, Club Hell, which is, man, I'm going to tell you. Pretty awesome. Cool name. Booked big gigs. They've, they've filmed the music video, had that edited, and had that play on, like, I guess the MTV of the 80s? Yeah. I guess MTV was the MTV of the 80s. Um, it's on the TV, they're having a little bit of a party, and later on, Ralph and Mona go for dinner at Ralph's mom's house. And yep. super awkward because Ralph's mom is hissing all the time and she does a dance. Yeah, and she's, yeah, she does a dance. And she's always, she's constantly talking about like, oh yeah, George Washington, I met, he was, in bed he was as wooden as his teeth. And, um, you yeah. know, when I met Napoleon and all this stuff. Because she thinks Ralph has already told Mona about the whole vampire thing. But he hasn't. Yeah, and Mona is very freaked out by Ralph's I would mom be too. in general. Yes, I would, because she also seems to be the same age as Ralph. Yep. Maybe even younger than Ralph. <laughs> Somehow, I'm say, paradoxically. Tony Basil still looks younger than Ralph, and she's 75 years old. Fair enough. The woman is magnificent. She is literally ageless. Ralph does really look like he is 400 years old. But that's the thing, if you're a dancer, <laughs> if you're a dancer and you live such an active lifestyle and you move a lot and you, you just don't let your body age in that way, you will look amazing and fantastic yeah. in your old day, which is pretty cool. 
Meanwhile, while all this shit's happening, Stanley is driven mad by jealousy. He believes that Mona is his property and should be returned to him. He then sees a psychic. Madame Benoit. Who is quite obviously Ralph's mom. She speaks in a really thick, I guess, like Euro trashy accent. It's like French romanian all kind of mixed together yeah and she holds a fan in front of her face to obscure her fangs and also to smack him with when Ra- when yes. stanley's being a nut which he does often because he is a comedic character uh yeah. she tells him to dress as a pirate with a rhinestone peg leg and a ham bone and to kill mona because that is the only way she can belong to him for all eternity yeah he he then, yeah, that's all she says. She says you need to kill Mona to make her yours, which is bizarre. Doesn't make sense. But then he decides to put her in a cryogenic chamber, which I guess would work. I mean, you could own her corpse for a very yeah. long time if she's frozen. I believe there was many a serial killer who froze their victim. But usually but just like in a deep freeze. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's much more low tech. The thing is that Stanley owns and runs... A business or a place called Death Park. Yes, it's a mortuary slash cemetery, I think. Yeah, it's weird. But then he sells like custom coffins and custom high-tech headstones. And yeah. it's all very 80s. Uh, and it is hilarious, his, his little yeah, ads. Those, those bits are wonderful. He then goes full, full tilt into this thing. A lot of rom-com shit happens between Ralph and Mona, obviously. He tells her she's a, he's a vampire. He transforms into a weird little bat gremlin thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's not very is, good at it. Yeah, and it seems like he's wearing an adult diaper at the same time, which is like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> overshare. <laughs> it freaks Mona out, so she chucks. Uh, yeah. But then eventually, on Halloween night, Ralph, driven by his reflection, is... Yeah. emboldened to try and save Mona this time because every time he's failed to save her but this time might be different because the 80s well it has to be you know for this to be the movie it has to be the true, last time true. that he fights the pirate yeah they get into a fencing match uh handbone versus peg leg yeah <laughs> he transforms back into his weird little bat thing <laughs> and and stanley gets such a big fright that he tumbles backwards into his own cryogenic tube um, and i guess dies um, yes which is and they nice. live happily ever after so is that how you would want to die that's not how i would want to die just because of the audio that plays in the cryogenic yeah. pod because <laughs> that's a little bit disconcerting I wanna, yeah i want to get into that a bit later so what I personally believe that happens after the climax of this film is that now they're together. For the first time in 400 years, they're together. But will it last? I don't well, think Well, that's so. the question, the age-old question. Yeah. Now that Ralph has essentially won the freedom to live the rest of their life, now they get to see, are they actually compatible or do they just have great chemistry for two weeks? I guess that should be the plot of our hit feature film Rockula 2. Yes. The Rockening? Rockulation? Conroculations. Conroculations. It's about their wedding and then <laughs> Stanley comes back as an ice pirate. Yes. Fuck, I can just imagine fantastic. coming through the door with like 
ice crystals in his facial hair. Fantastic. Yeah, and then in the, the final scene, Ralph's abandoned reflection breaks out of the mirror in an oh, yeah. Elvis onesie and performs a Ooh. final song with the rest of the Rockula crew. So now there are two Ralphs and the one is wildly confident and the other is mild-mannered. Well, let's, I mean, let's start actually, I think, by talking about Ralph and Ralph Flexion. <laughs> Ralph Flexion. <laughs> Great. I think, yeah, that's, um, that's one of my favorite parts of this film is how he interacts with himself. And I think, yeah, the reflection kind of represents everything that Ralph wants to be but because of his like social anxiety or depression and I guess just kind of general neurosis is is unable to become because his reflection is confident he's sharp he gets chicks somehow yes not uh, sure how that works but how. he's he's sleeping around all the time our boy Ralph of course is a virgin still at 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 422. 420. Yeah. His reflection is constantly prodding him to kind of go out and to live his life and find Mona and save Mona and do all that stuff. But Ralph, even though this is obviously good advice, he kind of resists it because of his, I think, aforementioned issues. And then eventually him abandoning Ralph Flexion, which again, I'm not really entirely sure how the mirror universe works uh, in this film, but that's him no longer needing that fantasized or projected version of himself because he's yeah. finally learned to embrace himself and to be confident. Yeah, I would agree with you. I also had notes here that his reflection might not even actually be a true physical manifestation because as we see, his mother doesn't have a reflection. Yeah. So it could be that he's just projecting his uh, wish fulfillment into the mirror and yeah. projecting all these ideals of what he believes the ideal male vampire to be. Because Ralph Flexion is almost the classic cinematic vampire. He's got a, an almost supernatural way with sexual pursuits. Yeah. And, you know, he's confident, he's suave. He's not afraid of blood, which Ralph <laughs> is. Yeah. So Ralph Flexion, even in the part where he breaks free from the mirror, that's all metaphor because maybe that is all just telling the viewer that now, you know, Ralph doesn't, like you said, doesn't need this fantasy anymore because yeah. he's finally boned up to the challenge uh... and had a sword fight with a hand bone wielding, pi wielding pirate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And gained the confidence to wear that shiny Elvis onesie. And now he has become this ideal that he wants. Or now he's going to discover that that ideal isn't compatible with his actual dreams and his actual wishes, like to be with Mona. Yeah. Which he believes is true love, but to the viewer, it's not clear that this is true love. It's just they're sort of caught in this reincarnation cycle and there yeah. is a lot of swirling destiny around them but it doesn't mean that you know the the love is true yeah. it just means that their threads are entangled well you know what if if nothing else at least it means that mona doesn't have to die every 22 years she can now actually go on and live a full adult life with or without yeah uh, ralph yeah, she also has the choice of becoming a vampire and, and achieving eternal life that way. Or she can reject, you know, Ralph's condition and, yeah. you know, reject Ralph himself and then go, like you said, and have a normal life and 
experience for the first time in centuries what it's like to grow up and grow old and you know pay taxes and all yeah. that terrible terrible <laughs> nonsense uh you know what it's like to be 23. let me tell you folks <laughs> no one no one likes you when you're 23. oh that is profound louis i know you heard it here first no yeah, one that's said an insight I, I came to all on my own yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really dig Ralph Flexion and how he's really the force that keeps the movie moving forward because he's the one that kind of gets Ralph to go out and do things and live his life. So a very important character, of course, because he is yeah. technically, I guess, the protagonist. It's the same actor, of course. I mean, look, if, if you think about it in, in like a Freudian way, Ralph himself would be the Eros, you know, he would be the gentle lover within himself where uh, Ralph Flexion then becomes Thanatos, which is the death drive. You know, he, he has to he has to fornicate and he has to live and he <laughs> wants to save Mona and he wants to fight. You know, he wants, he wants to, to drink blood and he, he wants to kill. Where Ralph himself is timid and, and held back. He desires what Ralph Flexion can bring him, but he can't place himself in harm's way. Because, I mean, for instance, right at the beginning of the film, he decides to not meet Mona. He's going to lock himself up in his room and not leave for two weeks and just let the whole thing blow over, let her die without meeting her and come back and he's just going to ignore it and quote-unquote go on with his life, even though that would just mean staying stuck in that cycle. Yeah. And in fact, it's, it's a dream he has that pushes him out the door. It's a music video. His dream is a music video. Of course. In which... This is of course, practically from the 80s. In which Mona's doing a song and he's tied to the mast of an, an old wooden boat uh, <laughs> with big sound-canceling earphones on and a sign, around, a sign around his neck saying, I'm not going to do it. No way. I don't know. The ship is like in the audience <laughs> of a venue. Uh, Mona's on stage. She then gets bum-rushed by a bunch of pirates and he's tied to the mast. He can't help her. He's helpless. And um, then he wakes up and decides to pursue her after all. But it's, that's an interesting little reference to Greek mythology there, where Odysseus had himself tied to the mast of his ship so he could hear the sirens call without jumping in the water and drowning. Yeah. So definitely Mona is kind of this siren attracting him. He kind of, he knows it might lead to his doom. Although it, it actually leads to Mona's doom, being a little selfish yeah, there. Yeah, really selfish. He knows it leads to destruction, but and yet he can't help himself. He's so drawn to her. So reference to Greek mythology, but then also mm. it's all happening within a dream where he is tied to a post. And what is a post in a dream to Freud? A phallic. It's a penis? It's a penis. He is tied to the penis he would want to have, but... He cannot escape from, from that fragile masculinity to make himself be vulnerable. Yeah. In order yeah, to save yeah, yeah. Mona. There's a little bit of dream interpretation from yes. a registered, well, not a registered, but a qualified no. No. counselor. I'm actually a qualified oh, okay. counselor. Okay, okay, yeah, that's yeah. good. But if you're going to say psychoanalysts, like. <laughs> no, I would never no. claim. The APA would be up your ass in seconds. A lot of very strong metaphors in that sentence. Mm -hmm. Let's not go there. 
let's not um, the APA coming for me. Also in that dream, the pirate that attacks Mona on stage while he's tied to the post starts making out with her. He doesn't kill her in the dream. Yeah. They start kissing and smooching. And that might tell us what Ralph's real fear here is. You know, it's not that the pirate's gonna kill her, it's that the pirate's gonna steal her away romantically or erotically. Ooh. I don't know why I said it with that emphasis. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm glad you did. <laughs> so, I mean, just to tie it back to that, right at the end when Stanley and Ralph are having their little battle, mm. Mona's character takes on the aspect of the damsel in distress, where yes. she just stands off to the side and waits for the men to decide her fate which yeah. not super duper but then we get the following lines stan lee says the girl is mine to which ralph replies no she's mine Ooh. and to which i replied actually she's her own person you fuck knuckles <laughs> um i wish you were there to interrupt that's also a big difference between now and the 80s where if the film was made now Mona would at least intervene in the battle where she could have yeah. easily easily attacked Stanley from behind and her and Ralph could easily overpower him but in this yeah. film for that period of time for the, the fight the climactic fight where these two men match their phalluses together and slap they them around. They do actually at one point uh, touch tips. It, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> while this is happening, she literally turns to just an object in the room. She's not, yeah. she's not moving. She's just standing yeah, and yeah. watching. Yeah, definitely. And there's, she's actually, I think, established as a trope of damsel in distress in her very first performance at Club Hell, which is, I think, maybe the best song in the movie. It's like a really, it's like a really nice pop song, but she, her performance is behind bars on stage and the whole song is about like, set me free, please help me, I'm caught up, I'm, I'm trapped in a glass cage of emotions. I'm behind uh -huh, bars, can't get out. Which I also read as another reference to Greek mythology, you know, either Persephone or Eurydice, both women who were kidnapped and held hostage by our boy Hades. And Man, he I think it's naughty boy. A really bad, bad dude, bad hombre. Yeah, I think it, it might be more Eurydice because she is then almost saved by Orpheus, who's a musician. So I guess there is that sort of connection of Rockula, Orpheus, pretty much the same thing. Uh, the names rhyme and everything. So Mona is definitely set up as this perpetually helpless damsel in distress, always captured, you know, being held hostage. Totally. I, I would like to talk about the setting of this film, the, yeah. the time period that it occurs in, because it came out at an interesting time. Uh, it was released in 1990, which was obviously the end of the 80s, the beginning of the 90s. Yes how I described it was it's set in a pre-grunge post-80s world yeah. where we're sort of at least in a, a fashion and culture sense we're in a liminal space yeah you can sort of see the transition to denims and going away from latex and leather yeah definitely it's it's a it's a great meeting point between 
80s cheese and 90s cheese. I think, yeah, the thing that dates the movie the most is any of the hip-hop sections. Oh, yeah. Ooh. There. No. Oh, I'm having flashbacks. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, yeah, there's... When Rockula do their second show in a week, I guess, they really blew up real quick. Um, they... They've already, it's their second show, they've already pivoted, now they're Rapula. Oy. And somehow, this film's producers, <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but they got Bo Diddley to wear fucking spandex with a little gold record around his waist hanging over his ding-dong. And it's, it's just, Whoa. it's exactly the kind of terrible hip-hop you expect from white people in the early 90s. It's that kind of very, my name is Rapula, I'm here to say, I hope you have a really good day. That kind of sort of very stilted hip hop. And it's, uh, it's bad. It's bad. It was the hardest parts of the movie to watch, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Um, after watching this, I have an interesting sort of theory on where grunge comes from. Yeah, from vampires. Not from vampires, but if you look at the clubs, they're sort of rave nightclub type vibes, like Club Hell, for instance. But it's now pivoting from just a rave to more of a live music type situation. Sure. It's dark. It's dingy. You can just imagine all the rave scum on the floor in a thick foamy layer that then is that like sort uh, of like a primordial soup protoplasm yeah, yeah 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 it forms this primordial soup from which grunge emerged out of the leftover rage scum yeah. and then took to the stage that's what i think yeah happened. yeah definitely and i think also the like cheesiness of the rock songs really encapsulates how incredibly tired stadium rock and hair rock yeah was getting at that point and grunge being a reaction against that kind of overblown overproduced shiny yeah. rock back then they called pretty much anything rock yeah Stuff i mean that was the pop music pop now that was like yeah do you remember when rock music was popular music how bizarre yeah that was a long time ago really yeah really uh dating ourselves with that one like a fossil. <laughs> We're carbon dating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then one other like nice little reference that I got from this was uh, obviously the film's name is Rockula. That's a throwback to Dracula, which yes, I guess in the nineties um, the term Dracula became like a a cinema synonym, not a cinnamon. A cinnamon. A synonym. <laughs> It became a synonym, bro. A synonym for <laughs> vampires. Because yeah. I remember back in the 90s, kids would be like, oh, I just, I saw this movie and there were so many Draculas in it. And I was like, really? Yeah. You saw a film that, that had several Draculas? That seems wow, like a was... very interesting study. Uh, I would like to watch a film where Dracula is cloned or somehow what a What a fun child Dracula. you were. Yeah, um, I've always been pretty spooky at heart. <laughs> spooky and pedantic. Yeah. Just, uh, just perfect for this podcast. The amount of times that my kindergarten teacher used to call me spooky and pedantic. Uh, I tell you. <laughs> it's not so, Frankenstein. 
it's Frank. Um, it's actually uh, Frankenstein's monster. But definitely Dracula is used as a shorthand for all vampires. I guess this is also like pre-Blade, pre-Twilight, of course. Oh, thank God. So Dracula was still the biggest force in vampire things. Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Kind of in the vampire meta, Dracula was still the king. Well, uh, was this before Interview with a Vampire? I imagine it is. But I'm not sure. Anne Rice was really popular in the 80s, wasn't she? Yeah, I think Just as yeah, a writer. this might be after the book, but before the movie. Yeah. Tweet at us. Let us know. Twitter will fix us. We can't do our own fact-checking. Who has time for that? Also, if I do my own fact-checking, you would hear my computer on the episode, yeah. and you don't want to hear that. That's, that's no bad noise. That. It's, uh, yeah. it's unprofessional. So, another little uh, reference to uh, Bram Stoker's vamp... Bram... God damn it. Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. Uh, I did it to myself. Bram Stoker's Dracula is just in the, the name of Mona being yeah. a reference to Mina, who is Dracula's uh, perpetually reincarnating lover. Mina. Yeah. 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 Because I now also, while we were talking about Stanley's jealousy, I suddenly realized, oh my God, is this Othello? Is this an Othello movie? Because oh. Mona could also be Desdemona. What have they done? They put too much this talent movie. into this cheesy film. <laughs> Uh, this movie is like actually uh, really layered. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm glad we got into it because when I was watching it, I was like, man, what the fuck's going on here? This is what so is bland. <laughs> I also want to do a little Stanley highlight reel. Go through my favorite okay. Stanley moments. Great, uh, because I am spent. Okay, no, that's totally chill. Uh, Stanley, manager, artist. Mortuary owner, actor, I suppose, in his mortuary videos. He has some really wonderful moments. We see two ads for Stanley's Death Park, right? Death Park. The first one, he's selling luxury coffins, and it's set up as this luxury car commercial, complete with, like, singing and dancing girls and a little musical number. It practically slaps the roof of the coffin. It, <laughs> it, <laughs> this baby, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's this really bizarre kind of glamorization of death, which I think is also like a classic vampire trope, that, that fascination with sexy death. Oh, yeah. Then in his, his second commercial is for <laughs> high-tech tombstones. <laughs> Here's, I think that's where it gets really kind of satiric and where you can tell at this point they're just fucking around. They're just having fun with this. Where there's a, a tombstone where you drop in a 50 cent and a recording of your nagging partner starts playing, like getting oh, on yeah. you about like cleaning up and doing something with your life and stuff. <clears throat> there's one that grows flowers for you because you're so busy, you know, you don't have time to stop for flowers when visiting your deceased loved ones. There's another one for if you know your folks are really disappointed in you and the part you've chosen in life. It's a... <laughs> It's a coffin on a spit, so they can constantly be turning in their grave while you're living your life. That was my favorite one. That's so great. And it's, when it starts spinning, you hear the body inside, like, <laughs> yeah. hitting the sides of the coffin. It's like a shoe in a dryer. Yeah. Uh, and then the cryogenic pod, which also has a range of motivational and self-help tapes. 
including quitting smoking and upping your golf game. And that's brought full circle when he falls into the cryogenic tube. Uh, the, the golfing tape starts playing. And um, <laughs> it says like, repeat after me. My nine iron is an extension of my penis. My nine iron <laughs> is an extension of my penis. <laughs> oh God. Hilarious. Uh, and the beginning, the beginning of that video, he's like meditating. And then he looks up and he says, Mmm, that mantra was good. <laughs> Which is, I think, such a brilliant oh. parody on... Because especially in the 80s and 90s, kind of Eastern religions had started taking on this new life in the West, where like Zen and meditation and those kinds of things were used to help yuppies stay productive. Yeah. Which is like hilariously ironic. And, and it became this also like very mass marketed quick fix you know this ancient religion has had, you know was reduced to the level of my nine iron is an extension of my penis so i just yeah i love those aspects of stanley's character his flatness you know his shallowness is like a real character trait and it like drives him during the whole film um i have to say that stanley is the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. Definitely. Like a close second would be Vampire Bat Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Yeah, weird little Muppet. Before we get to the rating, uh, a couple of things. Okay. In the rap song, okay. Ralph says, give me some of that premarital sax. Ooh. Saxophone sample plays. And that was awful and, and funny. Stanley refers to the the nagging headstone as better than a wool hair coat than a crown of thorns. It's like a brilliant line. <laughs> and Tony Basil directed her own really weird dance sequence when she's when she's just doing a, a long dance for <laughs> Ralph and um, Mona. Oh, Mona says, I, I think you need some therapy, Ralph, which is true because he's he's very insecure. And in yep. one of the dream sequences, the pirates make Mona's teddies, like her stuffed animals, walk the plank. And I'm sure there's there's probably yeah, some symbolism in there. Probably. And that was Louis Flash. Quick things I just wanted to point oh, out. You got Flash. We need a we need like a theme song for that. We segment. should we should definitely have a jingle. Uh, if you had to rate Rockula out of four hundred and twenty-two years spent as a virgin, as a virgin and not embracing any sort of confidence i guess how long would you wait to bone up to the challenge of the hand boning pirate i'm not sure because the scale makes it really difficult yeah um, it should because I, I already feel like i've lived 420 years as a virgin so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna give it the full 420. okay um, i really 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 enjoyed this movie some of it is a little long some of it gets a little grating yeah but but i had fun yeah, well, I guess that's why you didn't give it 422 and you just gave it 420 because it's not entirely perfect. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I would give it eight. Oh, no. I will give it 75 out of... 75 out of 422? Yeah. A single regular human lifetime. It would take me to bone up to the challenge of the ham bone. <laughs> and to establish myself as a vampire. That's good. 
That's, uh, I mean, that's much quicker than Ralph. It is much quicker than Ralph, but then also Ralph really likes taking his time with things. Then, next time on Be Positive, we are watching The Beast Within. The Beast Within? Yes, the beast was inside you all along. Aww. <laughs> Maybe the real beast was the friend we made. <laughs> okay, awesome. I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a movie. I checked the trailer, it's a thing, and we are gonna watch it for Be oh. Positive. Excellent. Yep. So I guess that means we've come to the end of this episode. Please follow us on Twitter, at StayScary. We're on Facebook, at StayScary. Um, there's a Be Positive group where we can share memes and fun videos and good things to look at. And please go right ahead and uh, smash that five star on iTunes. We've gotten a couple of reviews and we really appreciate them. And we'd love it if you popped one in there. Just pop it right in. Pop, pop, pop. Uh, and then as always, you stay scary. That's a spooky pirate. Oh, rhinestone pirate. <laughs> I'm a rhinestone pirate. Down, down. Wow, we, wow, we. That was. Mmm, that podcast felt good. I mean, the trailers from 10 years ago already all are in a world where monkeys fight robots. Yeah. There can be only one winner. There the monkey bot. The monkey bot. King Kong versus the monkey bot. That's the sequel. Mm. Always King Kong versus, but never King Kong hug. <laughs> what a tragic fate. Uh, what a tragic fate for him. Poor King Kong.